Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Isaiah, the 10th chapter. Last week, I just want to preview just a real quick moment of what we shared last week in case you weren't here. You can listen to it. Last week, we discovered that the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Godhead. Amen. And um, we discovered also that he was with God in the beginning in the book of Genesis 1. The Bible says that there was darkness that covered the earth after God created the heavens and the earth. And uh, darkness covered the earth. Uh, how many agree that God never created the earth in darkness? Raise your hand. you believe he never created the earth? Well, I believe he never created the earth in darkness because there's no darkness in God at all, the Bible says. And so something happened. We know through the scriptures, we, I don't have time to get into it, but... <clears throat> when uh, Lucifer, the, uh, the first in command um, uh, beside the Trinity, uh, the, the most powerful archangel in heaven, he rebelled against God, and God cast him down to earth. And I believe that's where the darkness, cover, uh, that's where the darkness came in the earth. Uh, the word darkness it means chaos and destruction. And so something happened between Genesis 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 3. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God hovered over the earth. What was he waiting for? He was waiting for the spoken word of God. And the moment God said there be light, let there be light, you know. The moment he said that, light was. And that, that was a manifestation of the Spirit of God. Amen. Every miracle, every manifestation of supernatural events in the Bible in the Old Testament now, right now in the Old Testament, was a result, or it was the fruit of the manifested presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's how important he is. He was then and he is now, which we'll see as we go on in this study. Every prophet that, every prophet that prophesied regarding the redemptive will of God, regarding the plan of God to save man, that prophecy came on these men as the Spirit of God sat upon them. Amen. And so they spoke by the Spirit the, the very will of God. Uh, uh, when, uh, when God called Noah to build the ark for the saving of his family, it was the Spirit of God that gave him the means and the grace and the wisdom to do that. Amen. I said amen. When the children of Israel, when Moses led them out of 430 years of captivity, uh, it was the Spirit of God that manifested those 10 miracles. It was the Spirit of God that provided manna from heaven. And it was the Spirit of God that healed their bodies for the journey. Can I have an amen? So all these things came by the Spirit. When Joshua needed more daylight, I love this story. He needed more daylight to defeat, I think it was the Philistines. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. They're enemies. And when he, he needed more daylight, he spoke to the sun and he commanded it to stand still. And the sun obeyed him. And again, Joshua had nothing to do with that. He was simply obeying. He was obeying the unction, of the unction of the Spirit on his life. And when he spoke, that son stood still. He defeated his enemies. Again, that was a supernatural display of God's Spirit. Amen. I said amen. amen. So anyway, we started Isaiah 10 last week, and this is our text. So let's read this, and then we'll move on. So this is what the Lord says. Now, God is addressing his, the Israelites who had backslidden from him. So he's talking to them. He said, this is what the Lord, so this is what the Lord, the Lord God of heaven's armies uh, says. O my people in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrians when they oppress you with the rod and club as the Egyptians did long ago. In a little while, my anger against you will end. And then my anger will rise, anger will rise up uh, to destroy them. 
The Lord of heaven's armies. I love that. The Lord is capitalized. Amen. This is talking about the second person of the Godhead. Uh, Jesus has always been Lord. We proved that last week, okay? Um, the Lord of heaven's armies will lash them with his whip as he did when Gideon triumphed over the Midianites at the rock of Oreb. Or when the Lord's staff was raised to draw the Egyptians' army in the sea. Again, both events were supernatural and the supernatural manifestation came by the Spirit of God. Now, in that day, the Lord will end the bondage of his people. He will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from their shoulders. Oh, man, that's so awesome. And we talked last week what a yoke is. Anytime you're, you know, you're, you're bound to a yoke, you're actually controlled by the one that you're yoked up with. Before you're born again, you're yoked up to, um, to the devil and to all his, um, uh, to his uh, behavior, his lifestyle, and... Uh, Praise God, it's good to be free from that yoke. Can I have an amen? How many are glad you're free from that yoke? And we'll get into all sorts of wonderful things to help you uh, uh, in regarding your relationship with the Spirit as we go on. But I want you to see this. King James says the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Hallelujah. And I said this last week, and I I really looked at it, and I said, this is worth repeating. What, What, I said, what the anointing is, isn't near as important as whose the anointing is. And once you discover and develop an intimate relationship with the source of the anointing, then you will receive the benefits of the anointing in your life. Amen. The anointing is, is the anointing of the spirit. The anointing of God in the earth is the spirit, is the presence of God's Holy Spirit. And how many understand that when you get born again, Vicky shared, well, Vicky shared some awesome things this morning in prayer. Once you get born again, everybody should come to prayer because it's absolutely supernatural in every way. It's supernatural. Raise your hand if you believe it's supernatural. Clap your hands if you believe it's supernatural in every way. So many things are said and so many things are done in, in, in our first service, which is the prayer service from, from, uh, from, uh, from 9 to 9.30. Hallelujah. Anyway, the yoke shall be destroyed. Oh, I said this. What, uh, what the anointing is is near as whose the anointing is. Let me give you the definition of the word anoint. It means to make oily. It means to shine. You all agree that we've been called to be a light to this world, right? To shine, shine. If you've got the light, you can shine for Jesus. Oh, that's a song. <laughs> Remember that, Angie? Shine for Jesus if you've got the light. Okay, I had fun. Anyway, the, word, the Greek word... <laughs> means to furnish what is needed through the idea of contact, to smear or rub with oil, by implication, to consecrate to an office or religious service. So, I I want you to see this. So the anointing is God's divine equipping for his divine purposes. Okay, you can write that down. The anointing is God's divine equipping for his divine purposes. Hallelujah. So anything he's called you to do, he equips you to do it. Isn't that cool? He's equipped you to do it. He doesn't tell you to do something and says, well, I'll knock on wood, good luck, I hope it works. He didn't do that. God tells you to do something, then he equips you to do it. Amen. I said amen. Amen. I said this downstairs. I said, you know, the world, uh, the the condition of the world, all of the dysfunction, all the bondages that the world is in, they always blame someone else for it. Because when you blame someone else, then you don't have to accept responsibility for it. And as a church, if you're careful, that same attitude seeps into the church and you blame everybody else for your spiritual condition or the lack thereof or whatever. 
But if you accept responsibility and, and get into the Word of God and find out what the Spirit of God has promised you, hallelujah, you can live on a greater uh, level of liberty uh, in your life. Can I have an amen? Got to accept responsibility <clears throat> for your life. <clears throat> it means to furnish what is needed. I want you to say this out loud. God has supernaturally equipped me for his divine plans and purposes. Really, it's true. Amen. And that's not just for the, the Great Commission. You know, you and I have been called to go into all the world and make disciples of men. That's our calling. That's your calling in life. Um, do you remember the, the Dead Sea? Uh, uh, I'm going to take some ministers in March. I'm taking uh, uh, four ministers in March along with a bunch of other people across the nation uh, to Israel. And um, the, I guess we didn't do this last time, but we're going to the Dead Sea. And it's, it's quite an experience. But boy, that thing stinks. And the reason it has no outlet. And the beautiful waters of the River Jordan flow into it, but it has no outlet to release the stench. And so it just keeps building and building and building. Listen, and nothing lives in the Dead Sea. And that's the way it is in our lives. If we're not careful, we come to church and we hear all this information, but we never allow God to use us to let it out. And so after a while... Your attitude begins to stink. Your perception of life begins to stink. Can I have an amen? amen? The very life that's going into you has got to come out of you. got to go through you. That's the way, and that's one of the ways it can is when you help people. When you receive information, inspiration, revelation, when you receive the understanding of God's word is for a purpose, it's to give it to someone else. Amen. Wow, my preaching is better than your response. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So it's not just for the Great Commission. It's for uh, the supernatural equipping of God. It's not just for the Great Commission. Listen, it's for every aspect of your life on this side of heaven. As, sp as spiritual warfare intensifies, Pastor Vicky talked about that, in these last days, God wants you spiritually equipped to overcome and to experience victory in your life in every area. Now shout amen if you believe it. Amen. When our Lord stepped into his ministry call, God equipped him from power, uh, uh, with power from on high. It says in Matthew 3, Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water, and the heavens were opened unto him. And he, the Bible says, he saw, who deceived the Spirit of God, the third person of the Godhead, descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And I asked the Lord one day, Lord, how come you are so pleased uh, 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 of that uh, of that?" Uh, exchange. How, how, why were you so play, pleased when the Lord, uh, when the Lord, uh, the Spirit of God came upon Jesus? And here's what he said. Uh, his son had just given his total allegiance to the leadership and ministry of the Holy Spirit. The second person gave his total allegiance. His, he gave everything that he was to the leadership of the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit could do in him and through him what God had called him to do. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was the Holy Spirit who empowered him. Empowered him as there was warfare going on in his mind because he didn't want to do this. Don't you ever think for a moment that that was some easy task for the Lord. He was 100% man. And he wanted to live just like anybody else did. Now you got to remember, God had never died. God had never experienced sin. But the Bible says all of our sin was laid upon him. And he knew there was going to be something that was not going to be good. But the Spirit of God graced him and empowered him to get through that process of warfare in his mind. 
so that he could go on and finish his race. How many are glad Jesus finished his race? That's how important the spirit of God is, was in his life and is in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 11. Say, praise the Lord. Now again, there are 360 some messianic prophecies in the word of God. And this is one of them. Hallelujah. First of all, let me say, Isaiah is prophesying regarding the future event of Jesus' earthly arrival in ministry. Now listen, 730 years before it happened, Isaiah prophesies under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and speaks God's promise, okay? 730 years before. When, when I, when I um, read that, I thought of this. No matter how long it takes, God always honors and fulfills his promises. I said, no matter how long it takes. Our part is to stand. His part is to bring it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Isaiah 11. This is the New Living Translation. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Out of the stump. You know, I, they, this is so interesting how, how, how important the olive tree was in Israel and the fig tree. And did you know that both of those trees live an average of 500 years, but up to 1,500 years? In fact, there's a fig tree in Israel today that has been there over 2,000 years. They can, in fact, the enemies would come in and just cut them trees down, right down to the root, and they'd come right back up again. Sounds like God, doesn't it? I don't care how many times you get cut down. If you keep your faith in God, he'll grow you right back up. Hallelujah. And make you fruitful for his glory and honor. Hallelujah. Amen. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a, brand, a, yes, a new branch bearing fruit. A new branch bearing fruit. See, Israel didn't bear any fruit. They had a knowledge of God in their minds, but not in their hearts. And yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The branch is Jesus. Now watch this. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he, that's Christ, the anointed one, will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor, the spiritually poor, and make fair decisions for the exploited. Now the earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath, and I added this, one breath of the Holy Spirit's anointing from his mouth will destroy the wicked. Woo, glory. He will, near, uh, he will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. Hallelujah. So the Bible says the spirit of the Lord rested upon Jesus. Amen. And we know that from Luke 14. Jesus, uh, Luke the fourth chapter, Jesus himself said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed. Acts 10, uh, anointed me. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power. So Jesus recognized where the anointing came from. Amen. That's why I always say this to you and I help you. It's even the young Christians, young believers, I want to help everyone. Everyone here, that when God uses you in any way, it's the Spirit of God working in you, so give Him the glory. Don't do any boasting for yourself. I only learned that from experience. So the Spirit of the Lord will rest on Him. Manifesting in what way? Six ways. I want to share these with you this morning. Number one, the Spirit of wisdom. The word means to be wise in mind, word, and action. Isn't that good? Number two, the Spirit of understanding. That in the Hebrew means the ability to separate mentally or to distinguish. 
The ability to separate mentally, to, to see it, to, to really see what it is saying. To be able to see what you're dealing with in your life. The spirit of counsel, advice which produces resolve. The spirit of might, to, uh, it's valor that produces victory. And the spirit of knowledge, it's to ascertain by seeing. So he's simply saying, uh, through, through wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and, and finally number six, the fear of the Lord, all these things working together, you're going to see life through the eyes of God. You're going to be able to operate by the wisdom of God when it comes to all the affairs of your life. My goodness, every answer to your, every answer to your life is in the word of God. Every answer to your life is found in the leadership of God's spirit in your life. <clears throat> the fear of the Lord, number six. Now, this morning, just for a few moments, if you give me a few moments, I want to talk about wisdom. This won't take very long. But I want to talk about the wisdom of the spirit. Remember, that word means to be wise in mind, listen, word and action. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is not faith, not grace, not love. But wisdom is the principal thing. The word principle there, it simply means supreme. Wisdom is the principal or the spring thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all that getting, get understanding. Exalt her, that's wisdom, and she shall promote thee. She will bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She will give to thine head an ornament of grace, and a crown of glory she, shall she deliver to thee. How many believe that God wants to promote you in your life? He wants to, he really does. He wants to exalt you. He wants to make your name great. When I was a little boy, and, and it's just, I mean, I love, you've heard my story time, time, I loved my daddy when he passed away. I loved him with all my heart. But I was a little boy, he was a super alcoholic. And um, I'm telling you, he just, he just wasn't there, you know, when I really needed him the most. Of course, the devil took advantage of that and just tried to destroy my life. But I'd go to school, and my daddy drank heavily, and everybody knew he was, a, he was an alcoholic and a drunk. And, and it was just embarrassing to carry the name of Bang. When the teacher told me, he said, Bang, you'll never amount to anything that's so tied in with my background. Now, I'm not ashamed of the name anymore. But I'm so glad that my name is connected to the name. The name which is above every name. Can I have an amen? Praise the Lord for that. I said praise the Lord for that. Let's go on. She will give thee thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Now watch this. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So you can see here three, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. They all work hand in hand. They all work together. They all flow together. Let me give you again a definition of these three. Knowledge is the acquisition of facts uh, and data. It's you receiving the inspired word of God into your life. Understanding is when the light of the glorious gospel of Christ manifests within, and you see life's perspective as God wills you to see it. How many would like to live through the eyes of God? I mean, every time you run into a situation, I don't know what to do. And, and all of, because you've been in the word of God, because you're meditating with God, you're walking with him, fellowship with him, all of a sudden, he turns your eyes. I'm talking about the spiritual eyes of your heart. They, they, all of a sudden, they come alive and you begin to see. You begin to see exactly what to do because you're seeing through the eyes of God. Isn't that beautiful? 
That's part of the promise. Hallelujah. Wisdom is the divine ability to put what you now see into practice. Wisdom is the application of knowledge and understanding which produces eternal results. Now, in the Old Testament, just a couple, an example. In the Old Testament, when, um, when God called his people to do them, he imparted to them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I'll give you an example. When God called uh, Moses to build the tabernacle, the tabernacle was a glorified trailer house. And, I mean, it was glorified. I mean, made of solid gold, the walls on the inside. A very, very wealthy tabernacle. And uh, God, gave, God, God gave them the equipping to, um, to um, accomplish such an impossible task. Because, that, listen kids, the tabernacle had to be made perfect. Because it housed God. <laughs> Come on. How many here know that God houses within you? So you're no piece of trash. Because he don't house trash. He don't house in an outdoor toilet. <laughs> oh, you need to lighten up. Hallelujah. So in the building of the tabernacle, here's what it says. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with what? Everybody say it. He filled him with what? Very good. And he filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works, to work in gold, silver, brass, in cutting of stones to set them, carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. And behold, I have given with him Ahoyliab, the son of a hismuck. Wow. Why not just Smith and Johnson? Why these hard names? Of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise hearted, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee. I thought that was interesting. That last line. He said, he said, and in the hearts of all that are wise hearted. So he, what does that mean? He put his wisdom within the hearts of those that pursued him. Many of the Israelites didn't, but God had enough. God has always had a remnant of people to carry out his will. How many many want to be part of that remnant? Absolutely. Some of you do. I said, how many want to be part of that remnant? We all do, don't we? Amen. Amen. All right. So that anointing was on them to do something they couldn't do without it. Solomon writing, I need to be closing down here. Solomon writing to his son, he penned these words. Remember, Solomon, we'll read in a moment, uh, walked in the full wisdom of God's spirit. He says this to his son. My father taught me, take my words to heart. Follow my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words, means you could. Or turn away from them, means you could. Don't turn your back on wisdom, means you could. For she will protect you, love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her, she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath um, on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. Think about that. She'll place a wreath. Do you you understand what that means? See, in competition, when you, in the old times in competition, when you won, they placed placed a wreath upon your head. 
Amen. And, and, and they crowned them with a gold medal, a silver medal. I don't know if they had those, but we have them today. Amen. Nobody remembers the silver and the brass. Everybody remembers the gold. Amen. So God wants to bless you. He wants to reward you. He wants to prosper your life in every area. But it comes by way of his wisdom, by way of his spirit who lives inside of you. Let's continue. Now, my child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you straight in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you, when you run, you won't stumble. Is that awesome or what? I just love these promises. Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them for they are the key to life or the key to the God kind of life. Now, if, do we have access to those same promises? Yes, we do. Colossians 1, 7. Uh, as you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was for you a faithful minister of Christ. Get that? He was a faithful minister of Christ who also declared unto you your love in the spirit. He, excuse me, he declared unto us your love in the spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy, Lord, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Let me ask you a question. Is your marriage a good and worthy work? Come on, everyone. Is, is, your, is your marriage a good and worthy work? I mean, is it, is it worth working on so you can make it? Of course it is. Amen. How about rearing your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Is that a worthy and honorable work? Absolutely. How about being successful in business? Is that an honorable and worthy work? Absolutely. That means God wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. Every aspect. He wants your life to be blessed. Say, God wants my life to be blessed. Amen. He really does. Praise the Lord. I'm winding down. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Uh, very interesting. He uses those words, patience and long-suffering. They're the same word. Why did he repeat it twice? He repeated it twice because God will grace you with double endurance to succeed in all your spiritual endeavors. Hallelujah. Uh, come on, shout amen. He will bless you with double endurance. Say, I can do this. Say, I can do life by the power of the Spirit who lives big on the inside of me. Shoot up a hand and give him praise. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is my last story. These are so important. This is Solomon. It says, in that night did God appear. Unto Solomon and said unto him, ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said to God, then you stop and think, what if God visits you tonight and say, one night and says, ask me anything, I'm going to give you a blank check, go ahead, ask for anything. Would you ask for the right things? You would if you're walking with God. The Bible says, thou hast showed great mercy uh, unto David, this is what Solomon's saying, my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. <clears throat> now, Lord God, you know, I think about this with our kids. 
and uh, uh, our, uh, our son-in-laws and our daughters and our son and our daughter-in-law I mean, and our grandchildren. I think about this. Uh, I, I want them to carry on the very things that we endeavor to live by. You want them to carry those, those things on, the spiritual things of God. Don't you want your kids and grandkids to carry on the thing? Amen. And he, he says this. Um, uh, now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like a dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before the people. For who can judge this, thy people? That is so great. He said, I can't. I can't do this. Same with you. You can't make your marriage work. You can't rear your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord apart from help. Because how many have tried and failed? Now, I'm not sure it's changed, but at one time, 50% of Christian marriages going pot, going to pot, going, failing, 50%? That simply just simply tells me that neither party were willing to pay the price. And I don't say that condescending in any way. I'm just saying, if God blessed marriage, then marriage must be blessed. Wow, it's quiet in this Lutheran church. I said, if God blessed marriage, then marriage must be blessed. That you and I have something to do with it. Goes on and says, And God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart. And you asked not for riches. You didn't ask for wealth. You didn't ask for honor, nor the life of your enemies. You didn't ask, neither yet, neither did you ask for long life. But you asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Watch this. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee. Hallelujah. And I will give thee riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there any after thee have the like. I mean, I'm telling you, man, God really does love you and God really does want to bless your life. Can everybody say amen to that, please? Everybody. Everybody. He wants to bless your life. He wants to bless you. To what degree? To what degree? He gives us a standard right here. Now, we don't pursue that. We don't pr- pursue success and riches and fame. And we, don't pers- we pursue him who has it all. We pursue, pursue him. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, verse 23, all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon, presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom that God had put in his heart. James 1, this is has to do with you now. The Bible says, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations, be assured and understand. Be assured, be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance, steadfastness, and patience. Brother Hagen, I've repeated this hundreds of times, but it's worth repeating. Brother Hagen says, if you're willing to wait forever, it won't take so long. We, put, we, set, we set timetables on God, and then we're disappointed when they don't come to fruition. Say it out loud. If I'm willing to wait forever, if I'm willing to wait forever 
It won't take so long. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> he says, let endurance and steadfastness of patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. Write this down. Patience is being consistently constant. Patience is being consistently constant. What does that mean? You're going to stay committed to God no matter what. You're going you're gonna to remain faithful to him for the rest of your life, even if you never ever had one prayer answered. <laughs> that went over big also. <laughs> you know what that does? That just destroys all ulterior, ulterior motives on your part. You're going to stay committed to God. Can I have an amen? Yes. It's staying true to God no matter what. Hallelujah. And just as the Holy Spirit fulfilled uh, the promises uh, that God made in the life and ministry of Jesus, the life and ministry of the disciples, the life and ministry of the apostles, the believers of the Old Testament, all the way to now, he'll do the same for you. Now, verse 5. If any of you, say, that, say that's, me. that's me. If any of you is deficient in wisdom, not, that's regarding the trial that, you're, that you're, you're facing, let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault-finding. That means you can go to God, you can go to God, and you may not have everything in order, but he'll still give you wisdom. And I've told you this time and time again, if you're going to wait to get everything right before you go to God, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because there's not one of us in this church house that has everything in order. We're desiring it, we're endeavoring it, but we, don't, we haven't reached it. You all agree with me on that? I don't say this to, you know, to be funny, or nor do I say it to be con condescending, but, you know, everybody's looking for that perfect church, but when you get there, it won't be perfect any longer. Because there's no such thing. So, he goes on and says, only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting. What does that mean? When you ask God for wisdom, listen to me, he definitely will provide it. But listen, only if you're willing to carry it out in your life. Only if you're willing to do what he says. And, and, and you know what? You know what, guys and gals? He already knows that. That's how sincere in 1971, I got all these stories. 1971, you know, I got gloriously saved in May, the third week, Sunday evening service. And um, uh, gloriously saved and, and, of course, you know, brand new Christian. I tell you, I, Vicky knows it. God was convicting me over all sorts of things. But I had a struggle with doing dope. Because you know, I had <clears throat> done it for quite a while. And, and I'd go out and party with the guys and get stoned with the guys and share with Jesus. And, of course, you know, that don't work. 1972, I had a precious six-month-old, excuse me, my wife had a, a daughter, Amy. She was six months old, and I went on the road trucking. Amen. And uh, uh, God had led me that way into the, I, I began to work for Mayflower. Eventually, I owned a Mayflower franchise, but, or we did. And she worked right by my side. We've been working together for our whole lives. The Bible, uh, the Bible doesn't say this, but anybody who can hang wallpaper together, you know you got a strong marriage. <laughs> 
And we hung a lot of wallpaper in the 70s because wallpaper was in. It's coming back. And I shudder because it's going to go out again and we're with a scraper trying to get that stuff off the wall. It's just a real bummer. But I went on the road trucking. But the night, I'm, I'm, I'm making a point here about the sincerity of a man's heart or a woman's heart. That night, the night, December 31st, 1972, I was in, in a hotel in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, next morning, getting up to go through two weeks of driver's training for an uh, 18-wheeler. And then, and, then, uh, and then from there, went on the road. And uh, I got on my knees that night because, I mean, I was, I was 22 years old. Gone from my wife, my six-month-old daughter, and I'm away and going to be going. Listen, I, I traveled three weeks to a month at a time without coming home. And uh, so anyway, uh, I got on my knees that night, and I cried out to God. And I, I said, God, I am so tired, so tired of the life of compromise. Now, nobody told me this. I had to gotten this by the Spirit of God. Nobody told me this. I said, tonight, God, <clears throat> I'm making you the master of my life. He was the savior, but he wasn't the master. And I'm asking you to master this life. I went to bed, crawled up in my bed after I shed a few tears. And I crawled up in bed, <clears throat> fell asleep. I woke up the next morning. Jesus of Nazareth, I was saved. <laughs> I mean, something had happened inside of me. I'm just, you cannot explain the supernatural. You can't. But God heard the cry of my heart, and he knew I was sincere. And to this point, to this point, that this Bible literally, literally came on fire. Every word was just flying at my, my I, could, I, had, I could understand things I never saw before. This Bible came alive to me. And I'm telling you the truth. I, had a, I was a short little guy. I weighed, about 100 and, I weighed 128 pounds when I went in the moving business. And um, some of you were that weight when you got born. I mean, when you, got, when you were born. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We had, a, we had a friend of ours that said that all the time. It, it was Sherry. Yeah, precious lady. And uh, she said when she was, she, when she was, uh, she weighed 120 pounds and she was born and she slapped the doctor. The doctor didn't slap her. <laughs> Just she always said stuff like this. She, she was funny. She's in heaven now. Anyway, God saw my heart. And I tell you, I'd go down the road in my truck. I, I actually had two pillows uh, on the seat so I could sit up and look like a big trucker. And, and I could hardly reach the pedal, you know. And uh, I rode down there and that, there was, a, there was a, like a, a hippie sign on the, a peace sign, yeah, on the steering wheel. And I, a hippie sign. <laughs> yeah, it's been so long since I've been a hippie, I forgot what it was. And, and I could lay my Bible right in the center of the steering wheel. And I would literally drive hundreds of miles, and miles that I didn't even know I drove as I studied the Bible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that for anybody today, but that's how hungry I was for the things of God. That's how serious. If you're serious with God, God will be serious with you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.